Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving to work. It is Friday, August 23rd, 2019. Um, we got balance changes yesterday, and uh, yesterday was a day at work for me, so I didn't really have time to completely digest everything, so I figured rather than give you hot takes that were poorly considered in a rush on the train home that I would take the night and then uh, give you my thoughts in the morning as I'm driving to work. So this is a rare driving to the train station episode, but, and, and it's raining. So you'll hear the squeaking of my, uh, of my wipers, which is just extra ambiance. That's just proving to you I'm actually in the car. So that I, that I haven't concocted an elaborate soundscape to, uh, to convince the illusion that I'm actually driving. No, I am actually driving because that's way easier than doing what I just said. But, um, as far as ladder is been concerned this week, um, cause we haven't really talked about it too much. And, and you know, the last episode was one with hats. So I haven't really gotten to talk to him, talk about it much at all. I've been, uh, I've, I'm up. I think I just dropped back into rank three. I've been, um, you know, kind of bouncing around rank two for the last couple days. I, I found a decent Highlander mage that I liked from Theo that was cutting all of the, the big spells and the board clears and just tried to get some early, some early and mid game together. And that was working for a while. And then I started running into a bunch of stuff that I, I don't know if it's just bad matchups or it's just, I'm not drawing what I need when I need it, or, or I'm exhausted from the last couple of days of putting out fires at work, which is the most likely case. Um, but anyway, I'm at the, I'm, I'm at top the, you know, like rank three, four stars now as of this morning, which is fine. Um, I've got the weekends to, um, to climb and you know, if, well, worst comes to worst, we'll start all over at a new meta sometime next week. We don't know when, cause we got, uh, we got those balance changes. I also, because I was feeling extra tired last night. I didn't really feel like, you know, risking star more stars in standard. So I went over to wild. I was starting at like rank six and I just, I, the new team rank star meta report came out and called secret mage tier zero. And as you know, I am a terrible person. Uh, so that's what I played, uh, you know, and, and it only took me a few games to get up to rank five. And I'm like somewhere like, you know, rank five, two stars, rank five, three stars, something like that. Uh, I, I doubt that I'm going to be spending a ton of time uh, grinding in wild this month because it's if if this is the deck I have to play against a lot, uh, it's probably not good for my mental health, to be honest. But it was good, you know, just kind of burning people's faces off and taking some out some aggression that way. So it, it's a it's it's a fun deck for a little bit. I imagine it probably gets boring after a bunch of um, after a bunch of, of games with it and you know, there's going to be a bunch of people hating on it now that it's known that that's what the best deck is and there's not really any good counters. So I don't know. Um, but that's certainly a deck you can play. And that's a deck that, uh, you know, I was able to play with, uh, not too many losses from where I started up to rank five. So, you know, it's, I'm sure it's viable. It sounds like it's a terror of the meta and I, that doesn't sound super pleasant to play against, but you know, there you go. All right, so we, we finally got the balance changes that had been teased for the last few days. Um, you know, Mike Denae had been dropping not-so-subtle hints uh, over the last couple of days, uh, including when he was on his daughter's stream and opened up a chat window that 
seemed to spill out the details of most of what they were doing, uh, which is a thing that happens, but you know, whatever. It's not like they were, it's not like there's a tournament that was going to be this weekend that this was going to drop ahead of, and they were giving people a chance to prepare. So it's not a huge big deal, but let's talk about the changes. I was not, I, I need, I needed some time to process them because I was not super impressed with them when I first saw them. And then I think thinking about them a little more kind of helped me come around. Uh, but so let's, let's talk about them. So the first, the first change that we have is that, is that call, uh, Conjurer's Calling is going to four mana from three. So this helps somewhat. I, I'm not, see, the problem is that there are a number of problems with most of these cards that are not, a, that don't feel like they're addressed by mana cost. But maybe mana cost is, is enough to kind of push them in the right direction because like the problem with conjurer's calling yes is that it comes out when it does and and it's it's costed such that you can play it with giants that get discounted and that you can sometimes play it both in one turn early i feel like the bigger problem with conjurer's calling is that if you get one of them off that your opponent then needs to remove everything that you just summoned out or else you're going to do it again the next turn, particularly with Giants. And this doesn't super address that. Like, the play pattern of Giant into Calling into Calling the next turn against, say, a Warrior, it doesn't feel like moving this to four mana is going to help a lot. Now, granted, it, it is worth saying that you know, this is going to delay things for a turn. Uh, one turn is a lot. One turn is an extra draw to find Brawl or Shield Slam or whatever the, the answer is. And it also means that that's one more turn that you get to hit your, oppo your opponent in the face before they can Giant Calling. And, and, and to be frank, it doesn't happen as consistently because people aren't really playing Cyclone Mage anymore. They're playing Highlander Mage when that will happen, but it'll just happen whenever you happen to collect those two pieces of the combination. Um, and, and in Highlander Mage specifically, I think that this is more of a concern what they're addressing with the mana cost, and that will be a little bit more fair. Uh, because there, you're not as much uh, worried about, you know, it coming down on, like, turn three or turn four. You're, you're more worried about it. Uh, you're, you're more worried about the fact that they're just going to be able to build a gigantic board. Now, so the minimum that you can get a mountain giant to is three. So this will keep you from being able to go giant calling, calling in one turn. That is 100% true. So for that particular case, I think this helps a lot. And maybe that's enough. Um, given that Highlander Mage is, is going to be better and, and Cyclone Mage is going to be considerably worse because of this change. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. I, I feel like the twin spell is a bigger problem, to be honest. Like, the fact that you can do it a second time, you know, makes it such that when you're doing that specifically with giants, you need to be able to clear off two eight health minions, or else there are going to be two more following it up, and, and that's very hard to deal with. But 
maybe if that's coming out a turn later, you have more answers. It, it I, I, I'm keeping an open mind about this, but I wasn't impressed when I saw it. But I think the more that I think about it, the more reasonable of a change that this is. So the next change is Luna's Pocket Galaxy is going from five mana to seven mana. So a couple months ago, they made the change as part of the Rise of the Mechs event that it was going to go from uh, from seven mana to five mana. I had said at the time that I felt like that was going to be playable at five mana because of the changes that it makes to how many draws you have out of your deck and the, you know, the danger of using seven mana on an empty turn as opposed to five. Um, I feel like there is not, I don't feel like this meta changes the, changes those fundamental facts about the card such that moving it back to seven now will make it a, a different card than it was back the last time it was seven mana. I think this is basically removing it from play once again, which is a hundred percent fine. Now Highlander Mage might still run it. The only that's the only thing that's that now that I've said that, the only thing that has changed here is that Highlander Mage is a deck, and uh, you know you have room for that in a deck of thirty singletons. So maybe you still run it, and maybe you try to get it out of like a Tortolan Pilgrim or something. Um, you know, but it, it coming out two turns later is a huge world of difference. Again, you can't build Highlander Mage the way that it's been built in this meta so far, where you're just putting all the greedy stuff in and then expecting Pocket Galaxy to fix it for you. Because you're going to draw a, like, a good percentage of your deck. You're going to have seven draws plus three to four cards out of your mulligan at minimum. So you're talking about having drawn ten, like a third of your deck, as opposed to a quarter of your deck. I mean, it's a big difference. Like one or not, you know, the slightly higher chance to hit something like an Antonitis or an Alexstrasza is a lot higher, and those cards are considerably worse when you're playing when you're playing them for full for full mana cost in that deck. So I do feel like this effectively deletes Luna's Pocket Galaxy from the meta. I'm not a I'm not super upset about this given that I have a golden one, so I will get 3,200 dust back, which will be very nice. Um, and, and that kind of brings up a point that, should you dust these cards? Yes. Should you spend the dust immediately? Not necessarily. But any of these cards that are getting nerfed, this is just a general PSA, but I say this every time we have card changes, you may as well dust them, because you get full dust value back for the first two weeks after they've been changed, and then hold on to the dust. If they still see play, just craft them again. You haven't lost anything. If not then you have the dust and that way you don't forget and say, Oh, well I'll see what happens and I'll see if I, you know, if I really want to dust it or not, like just go ahead and dust it. Especially if you have a golden one, it's a no brainer. Cause you just craft one of them. You still have 1600 dust back. Um, but, but anyway, going back to pocket galaxy in particular, it could still see a place, but it, even if it does, it will be considerably less effective and it will be more of a, a value engine that's going to work with the rest of your deck rather than the the whole point of the deck. Like you can't mulligan for pocket galaxy anymore, which is also a big deal. Like keeping a seven mana card that does nothing in your opening hand, as opposed to a five mana card that you could coin out on four, like that's a much scarier proposition, especially when you're going to have to take a seven mana turn to play it. So I, I think this probably does remove it. Highlander mage will probably be fine. I mean, we have Highlander decks in, 
nearly every class now, regardless of whether they have the class-specific payoffs or not. So uh, Mage has enough good cards that it will be fine, and it'll, it will figure out a different way to do things. Um, but I think getting rid of the whole, if you drew Pocket Galaxy on curve, you win, otherwise you lose. It's never quite that simple, but it feels that way a lot of the time. So just kind of getting rid of that play pattern is going to be a positive thing for this meta because there are a lot, it does feel like since Old, Old Doom has come out, there have been a lot more non-games than there have been in the past because of, um, you know, whether you draw particular cards on curve or not. So next up is Extra Arms, which is also one of the cards that was buffed in, um, in the Rise of the Mechs event. It went from three mana to two mana. It is going from two mana back to three mana. GTFO. And I say that as a priest player, right? Like, I am a priest. I am a priest main. Like, I've been not shy about that. I despise inner fire priest. I think it's a problematic play pattern. I really think they need to do something about either divine, well, really divine spirit. Um, like, I think inner fire would be fine if it wasn't like the whole divine spirit OTK, uh, you know, play pattern that's just really, really toxic. Like, any time that you have one of these decks where you have to remove every single minion because any of them could kill you at any time, and this is going back all the way, it, probably going back further, but the first time I remember seeing something like this was Karazhan Midrange Shaman, which is, it was a deck, and I think we made, we referenced it in one of the six-hour episodes that I, that I talked about these cards recently, but... The problem with Karazhan Midrange Shaman is that it relied around it relied on Totem Synergy and a card called Thunder Bluff Valiant that had Inspire. Inspire was a keyword that triggered anytime you use your hero power that would give all your totems plus two attack. Which meant that from like turn five or so, I think it was a six drop. Or maybe turn turn seven, you know, because you couldn't do it with you know, with the hero power on that turn, you basically had to remove every single totem because you never knew when that was going to come down. And if there, if your opponent had multiple totems on board, it was basically like getting a bloodlust with a body. And, you know, so that that really is problematic for any sort of a controlling or mid-range strategy because, like, if you have to kill innocuous minions because any of them can turn into a threat that can turn to lethal, then it's very hard for any normal Hearthstone deck to compete with that. And when Inner Fire Priest is good, generally, that's a problem. Right? So, if the... Now... And and I'm going to address this because I feel like there are a lot of people who are crying crocodile, crocodile tears for Priest. And, uh, you know, like, oh, Priest finally got a good deck and now, it, and, and now it's getting nerfed in the ground. No, this is... Like, this is a deck that plays priest cards. This is, I mean, all right. Like, the when I say I'm a priest main, this is not the kind of deck I'm talking about, right? Like, this is an aggro deck, effectively. I'm not an aggro player. I can play aggro decks. I'm not an aggro player. This is not the kind of deck I, be, I want to be playing. And I feel like it's just, it's, nobody's having fun when we're, when we're playing with this deck in the meta. I don't even feel like the people who are playing the deck are, are having fun. They're playing it because it's the best deck. But it's it's obnoxious to play just because there's so many so many micro decisions and it's it's extremely complicated and one you know misstep and you and you've thrown away your whole game plan. And then you just sit there getting hit in the face. So, like, if we nerf warrior and we nerf mage, 
then combo priest becomes the top of the meta, and that's not what anybody wants, right? Then we have, like, post, um, post, uh, call to arms nerf, uh, Q block. That's what we have at that point, right? Or is it call to arms? Whatever the, the, the nerf was in, in the middle, oh, post Raza nerf, rather, not call to arms. Post, uh, Raza the priest nerf, Raza the chain nerf in kobolds, then you just have Q-blocks everywhere. And we really don't want that. So, I think that it, this is a card that kind of makes Combo Priest have early game consistently, because you can just go Cleric or Light Warden into, into extra arms, have a 3-4 or a 3-5, and, and that 3-4 or 3-5 gets scarier as it does as it makes value trades and then gets healed. And that's just not a healthy play pattern. Like, if, if Priest has to take the first couple turns setting up, and you can kind of get ahead of it, it makes it a little bit more fair. And and just, like, having those one-drops into extra arms is not healthy. Having it on three and then being able to do it again for three mana is fine. I'm okay with it if extra arms is a bad card. I'm fine with it. Like, I, I felt like this kind of chased out Quest Priest because... I feel like we might try some more mid-range quest priests now that inner fire is, is going to take a step back because ultimately like there's no reason to play a mid-range quest priest because you could just play inner fire priest. So maybe now that inner fire priest is going back, we can look at some of the other cards that are in this set other than just psycho pump and high priest Amet, and maybe put together some interesting priest decks that just don't make sense to play when inner fire is an option. And um, the last standard nerf that we have is Dr. Boom is going from 7 mana to 9 mana. Now, this is the one that I was most down on. Because it doesn't feel like the mana cost is really the problem with Dr. Boom. Uh, the, The problem is everything else that it gives you, right? Like, it's the rush on the... It's the rush on the mechs. It's the hero power randomly giving you seven armor at once, which is considerably more powerful than two mana, two armor every turn. It's generating additional mechs, some of which are extremely powerful warrior class mechs like Omega Devastator and Dynomatic that also have rush at that point. It's, you know, giving a a control deck uh, face damage through a hero power. Like, there's, there's a lot of problematic aspects to Dr. Boom that don't really change if you're playing it on 7 mana versus 9 mana. So, the question is, and I don't have the answer to this, do two turns make a difference? Right? Do two turns make a difference in being able to get Dr. Boom online? I don't know. I I don't feel like they do. Now, one thing is that you will have two extra turns to kill them before they can get that seven armor, and that is relevant. So maybe that's enough. It feels like, yes, boom can be awkward in, in you know, the seven, eight, nine mana turns. But, you know, if you get it later, like, you'll top deck it and play it, and then you'll still get value out of it usually later. And once you get it, it it transforms the game to something that feels considerably less winnable. Now, again, 
this is another one where you can't keep this car in the mulligan anymore, really, because you're going to need other control tools, and that's that's not going to come early enough. Um, so maybe that makes it a little bit more variant in terms of the fact that you're going to be drawing it out of the deck, and that's going to come out a little bit less often. Um, maybe the fact that you'll have to use more of those control tools once you get to boom will mean that it will be easier to take you down. Like, there's a lot of variables here that two turns will will affect it. It's kind of hard to predict. Um, and they say they want it to be a powerful card. I feel like there's a way to make this a powerful card without it being as oppressive as, as it has been. But the way that the team historically likes to make these changes is by changing numbers rather than changing text. Because I, I still feel like giving rush to mechs in your hand and deck as opposed to, you know, all the mechs that get generated especially for Omega Assembly when you get three at once, you know, that that can make a difference. Now, maybe what happens is that this becomes a pure Control Warrior card, and Control Warrior is already starting to fade out in favor of Bomb Warrior, you know, at some in some ranks anyway. And maybe Bomb Warrior just doesn't bother running it anymore, and Bomb Warrior goes to more of a, um, of a Hack the System build or an aggro build. And maybe then we just see less boom in the meta because it's only going to be the pure control decks that are running it. That's a possibility. Because Bomb Warrior is not going to want this at 9 mana, I don't think. Bomb Warrior is going to want to be killing their opponent at 9 mana. So maybe Bomb Warrior is going to more of a hack the system approach. If you're already running two wrench calibers, like that's four weapon attacks anyway. Maybe that's what happens. I don't know. It, it, this, is, this was a weird one. It, this is one of the reasons I wanted to take the night to sleep on it. Because at first, it seemed like, well, why bother? Um, as the more I think about it, and even talking through it, like, there, I, I can see the argument for why this would make a change. So, uh, again, like with Conjurer's Calling, it doesn't feel like it addresses the issue, but I'm keeping an open mind. Alright, finally we have Barnes, which is going from 4 mana to 5 mana. If you have not played Wild, um, Barnes is a four, right now is a 4 mana 3-4 that summons a 1-1 copy of a minion in your deck. It is typically used in a big priest to summon copies of Ragnaros or um, or Obsidian Statue or whatever other disgusting minions they run in that deck. And that a 1-1 is killed off very easily, which allows the, you know, six or so resurrect, or seven maybe now, resurrect effects in the deck to start making big minions for cheap. On this one, I'm going to say I don't think that the mana cost makes that much of a difference. I think that it's still coming out before Shadow Essence. Um, yeah, it gives you one more turn to find an answer to it, but I don't think that one turn makes that much of a difference because it's really the 1-1 one, one being able to die. I don't know what you do with Barnes if this is not it. I, I think the Big Priest will still be fine. And, and ultimately, like changing Barnes at this point doesn't matter. Because the problem is just that there are so many resurrect effects in in wild now. You have the re the card resurrect. You have um, eternal servitude. You have spellstone. You have mass res. You have Vargoth copying those things. You have Katrina Katrina Muerte. Like there's so many different resurrect effects in in wild that I don't know how much of a difference just making Barnes come out one turn later will be. Bar Big Priest isn't even really the problem in Wild right now. It's just annoying to play against. Um, it's, a, it's a deck you can play. It's not even one of the best decks you can play. Um, but it's annoying to play against, and it, and it feels bad. 
Um, so this is some sort of a token change, hopefully for my wild friends. It makes a difference. Um, I don't, I'm not sure, but you know, at least they, they finally nerfed arms after all these years. And, and it's probably like, if you're a standard player and you don't want to play Big Priest, hey, that's 1600 dust for you if you, if you happen to have one in Karazhan. So there you go. So one last thing I wanted to talk about is I wanted to kind of revisit um, the discussion I had about my reaction to the buffs when they first came out. Because I, I re-listened to that episode on my way into work the other day. And, and one of the things that I said, and I, I still believe it, was that I, I wasn't big on the buffs because they generally had potential to either be extremely problematic or completely irrelevant. And I feel like for the most part, that's true. And, and I was saying on Twitter the other day, I would be fine if they reverted all the nerfs. I think that would actually, I know they're never going to do it and they say they're happy with it. I'm not quite sure how, because like when you look through the list of cards and I, I went through and I just kind of did like a two month retrospective, right? Like Druid, a group gloop sprayer and mulch muncher. None of those, neither of those see play like loop sprayer saw play for like five minutes in a heel druid, mulch muncher is seen for playing for like five for like five minutes in a treant token druid, but neither of those has really seen any sort of any sort of meta play. Uh, Necromechanic has seen niche play every so often um, in some Oblivitron decks, but the Oblivitron decks really weren't really good enough, so it's kind of fallen out. Boomzooka has never never seen any any um, significant play. Unexpected results has not been seen play aside from out, out of Magic Trick and um, Volparis Scoundrel and stuff like that. Luna's Pocket Galaxy was problematic enough that they had to nerf. Um, both of the Paladin cards, I would argue, are problematic. I think one mana Christology is not a super great thing. And there have been a number of decks that have revolved around just using those two cards and combining them with a lot of magnetic minions and, and kind of doing some, some broken things. They're not, it's not good enough now. Um, for whatever reason, probably just because Zephyrus can give you a silence on demand, but I'm actually not quite sure why Mech Paladin isn't seeing as much play as it, as it was now that I'm thinking about it. But, and, and, you know, also it made Holy Wrath Paladin a much more viable deck too, which is not a terrible thing, but, you know, given that the team's been not in favor of having a lot of OTKs, it seems kind of weird that we'd help that deck along. But anyway, those are the kind of the, the, the only other two that I thought would see play because they were already good enough at the mana cost that they were and, you know, are starting to be... Generally, those cards are used together and, and generally they're not being used for good. Um, Extra Arms was problematic enough that we had to nerf it. Cloning Device hasn't seen any play. Pogo Hopper was problematic enough that we had to nerf Vanish. Uh, that was a couple months ago, but remember that we lost Vanish because of Pogo Hopper decks. Uh, Violet Haze has seen no play. Stormbringer has seen like a moderate amount of play, and that's probably like the most, uh, probably the most like successful buff in terms of hitting the sweet spot, in terms of getting the card to see play, but not making it oppressive. Um, but even then, it's kind of like it's kind of a niche inclusion. Um, Thunderhead sees play, but it saw play before, and I don't think it really increased all that much. I don't think that the buff really had anything to do with that. Um, Spirit Bomb sees a tiny bit of play in a Highlander, a Highlander Zoo, 
but I feel like the it probably would have anyway. It, it didn't see any play before Highlander decks were a thing, um, and and it probably just sees play now because Highlander decks are a thing, and it might have seen play at two mana anyway. Doctor Morrigan seeing no play, and Security Rover and Beryllium Nullifier haven't seen any play outside of getting generated. So, like, again, we're we're rolling back half the buffs that were actually successful in getting the cards into the meta because they were too good and they enable problematic play patterns. And this was kind of what I was worried about when we were talking about the buffs. And and you know, again, the team says they're happy with them. I'm I, again, I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't try these things. I'm glad that they made the experiment, right? I'm glad that they took a chance and tried to do something different and saw how it played out. I hope what they're taking back from this is that they really need to do a, you know, a lot more analysis or or a, a revise their approach to how they're buffing cards, such that they're hitting more of a middle of the road. Like I don't think that every buff card should see play necessarily. Like they buff two cards for every class. I I think if one of each were to see play, that probably would have been a, a decent hit rate. But when you're changing the meta in a way that is unhealthy because of the buff that you made because like pocket galaxy was completely preventable a preventable situation right like we didn't have to have this past month of pocket galaxy shenanigans if it was at seven mana i even if we had it in the deck it would have been more much more fair and you know combo priest didn't need to come back or or, i mean it might have but it probably again it would have been a much more fair deck you know with extra arms at three mana so it's like they they tune these cards for a reason and then you know they buffed them because the levers that they had on some of these are just like either they they buffed it way too far or the levers that they had on it just aren't um you know aren't fine-tuned enough when you're bumping things up by one mana it makes it or down by one mana it makes a big difference like I I hope that they're going to do a fairly a fairly involved postmortem postmortem against this. Um, like I do really feel like the buffs were not great for the game. Honestly, like they 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 seemed exciting at the time to everyone but me. Um, but ultimately, like. The, the buffs were creating a bunch of problematic situations. Um, now, are they... We would, would we have different problematic situations? Probably. Because Boom still wasn't touched in those last set of, bu- set of nerfs that were right before the buffs. Um, but, anyway. You know, I'm kind of made my point. But I, I feel like I'm glad that they tried this. I hope that they're taking a lot of lessons from this and that we... If they do that again, and I hope it, and I, I've heard that they're not doing it f- over the the course of the next set, and and hopefully they reconsider and and figure out a better way to do this that will be able to, um, you know, keep the meta fresh, but without having to, um, you know, having to make drastic changes to a small number of cards because I think that's that's really where the problem lay, which is that it was the same problem as with the adventures that you either. The changes when you're changing that small of a number of cards, so what, like 14 cards, and you're expecting them to affect the meta, the changes you need to make to that small number of cards need to be that much bigger in order to make an impact. And you, you have a very high risk 
when you're doing something like that to go too far and then create more problems, you know, create, create more problems than you're solving. Anyway, I'm here at the train station and I'm going to pull a blister guy and say that the, you know, I need to go and get a train. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so you can, uh, you can find everything at offcurve.com, um, twitch.offcurve.com, discord.offcurve.com, offcurve.com slash specialist dash meta for the uh, specialist reports for at least the next week until specialist goes away. And then we'll figure out what we're doing with that. Um, you can uh, leave a review on iTunes. Um, I got a fantastic review from Mad at Arms that I will read on next week's show because I uh, need to get the train and I forgot to uh, pull it out. Uh, but I do appreciate that. And, and you also should uh, go leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. And um, there are also links in the show notes to, uh, to contribute to the show with your dollars if that is something that you are inclined to do. Um, so thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, you know, good luck. Uh, managing things while we wait for these changes to take effect and kind of give us a new meta to play with. And um, most of all, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.